What do computers eat for a snack? They eat microchips. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to Starting Sustainability, episode 80. I'm your host, Kaylin Chenoweth. Today's episode is sponsored by Real Paper. We received our sample box last night, and as you know, my husband is quite resistant when it comes to sustainable endeavors, so I placed a roll of real paper on the toilet paper holder in the bathroom, and he unknowingly tried it out. When asked what he thought about it, he said, yeah, it works. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. It will get the job done. (laughs) Real paper products are made from 100% bamboo. Every roll purchased helps fund access to clean toilets for those in need. Real is conveniently delivered right to your door. You choose how often you want it delivered, and it comes in an eco-friendly plastic-free box that, you guessed it, is recyclable. In fact, the entire package is plastic-free, including the tape. Even better yet, shipping is free. But, (laughs) wait, there's more. Use my coupon code GREEN, G-R-E-E-N, to receive 25% off your first subscription order at realpaper.com. If you haven't figured it out yet, I am sick again with sinus issues because Indiana's weather is absolutely awful and can't make up its mind and it's wreaking havoc on my sinus system. Plus, we have a great but lengthy crossover event with Michael Nazarian from Realistic Sustainability, so I'm going to keep this short and catch up with everybody next week. Here it is, the crossover event. Well, hi Mike and welcome back. How are you? I'm excellent. How are you today? I'm doing good. We have quite a treat for all the listeners today. We are doing a second round of a realistic sustainability and starting sustainability crossover event. So this is number two. Yay! (laughs) You keep sending messages about it, so we had to. Yeah, and I'm glad it went over so well last time. And we've learned that a lot of our listeners now listen to both of us, which is really cool because as much as we discuss sustainability, you just can't cover all of it all the time. So it's it's great. Absolutely. And because I also listen to you. So there's many times that you'll start talking about something and I've got to stop and take notes. This I need to talk about this on my show now. So just so you know, we're constantly stealing topics from you. Oh, perfect. Great. Because I've secretly been listening to yours and I'm writing down things that I want to talk about as well. No, <laughs> so, I can't believe it. So it's it's an even steal. <laughs> <laughs> well, real quick, I got to say, uh, unfortunately, we could not get Nick on today. I know this is going to be a heartbreak for most people. Nick is almost always hooked to my hip, but because he's building that business, we're having some conflicts with time. He wishes he could be here. He apologizes to everyone. And if you get a chance, send him a message and pick on him because it's worth it and it's fun. And let him know that he can't miss any more crossovers. It's just, uh, he just can't do it. And Nick's not the only one who's super busy. Mike has a really cool project in the city that he lives in. Would you like to share about that? Give everybody an update. So you're just saying that because... Because I was yawning earlier from being tired, but nope, today was the first city cleanup day here in Duran where we are getting all the flower beds and stuff around town cleaned up so that we can start integrating edible plants. So we're going to create edible landscaping. The city has approved it. I took it to the council. We got a seven of seven vote. Everybody was involved. Matter of fact, funny story. They were all there to fight 
This city council meeting was a big fight. They're arguing about marijuana and chickens in town. These two things brought all kinds of residents in. So when I'm sitting there getting ready to go present that I want to put vegetables all over the town, everybody in the building was angry. So by it's the time I got, it is not. And I made sure I, <laughs> Hey guys, I appreciate this for setting me up, but not only did everybody vote. Yes. The city doubled the budget uh, offered. We had an individual on the board offer to pay the same as the city to expand the program, even before we've started it. And the residents were excited. So it, it was the only time that day that everybody was happy together. Perfect. See, sustainability is awesome. So now we got reporters coming in. We've local reporters are asking questions. People are taking pictures all over the place. I'm getting very little done, really. I'm just spending time talking. Plus, it's a small town, so there's people with questions. We told the residents, we're not going to have these discussions over the internet. Come on out. You don't have to pull weeds. You don't have to clean anything up. Just follow me around, and I'll tell you all about it. And so far, I don't think we've got a single person upset. I think we're going to be able to integrate vegetables and fruits throughout the city free to the residents and possibly register our city as a legal food producer so restaurants can then pick those vegetables and add it to their meals. Oh, that's really cool. So Nick can now use those for his catering business. He will be able to as long as I can get that part done. Right now it's residents, but... We are all excited. This is something you see in Europe, and I have not found a city-sponsored program in the United States yet. So we're documenting everything, and and I'll put it on the Greening Your Life website so we can keep an eye on the progress. But it might just be the first city-driven project like this in America. That is really, really cool. So congratulations on that, because I know that was a lot of work, and you still have a whole bunch of work ahead of you. (laughs) So, no, it has to work. Congratulations and good luck, my friend. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. I hope that this goes very smoothly for you. Document it. And then that way, listeners of the podcast could then take it to their hometowns and get it started. I think that would be really cool to watch this spread across the U.S. where this is the new norm. And I'm very inspired by you. Why? Well, thank you. I greatly appreciate it. And I really do hope it works. As fascinating as this is, we do have a time limit. So I think it's time that we shall share what our big topic of the day will be. And that's going to be data storage and streaming. And you're probably thinking at home, well, how is that sustainable? Well, that's what we're here to debate. Is that sustainable or is it not sustainable? And there's a whole lot of different reasons for both pros and cons of why. Absolutely. (laughs) If you're not familiar with Yeah. (laughs) And if you're not familiar what data storage and streaming are, if you have ever heard of the cloud or utilize the cloud and then streaming locations like Netflix and YouTube, even social media, all your search engines, all of those tie into data storage and streaming. So those are your examples to help you kind of understand. I think maybe for people in the older generation or who are not quite so computer focused, we'll just do a quick background that maybe back in the the 90s and early 2000s, you would put stuff on your computer and save it to a hard drive. And then later on, and that would be stuff like digital storage for photos and movies, I guess anything else, the special files, receipts, whatever you need, you'd put it on there. But it was mostly photos, I think, at least for me as a teenager at the time. (laughs) Or music. Yeah. Oh, yes. Music. Tons and tons of music. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) So then your hard drive would get full. So then you get an external hard drive where you could put more on it. And the problem was sometimes the external hard drives would break. Or if I remember one time I'd go through the airport and it it went through 
the, what do you call that? X-ray. The, the X-ray and it wiped it. So then when I got to my destination, nothing was on it at all, completely wiped it. And that's where this, these were the troubles that people were having. And that's where this idea of getting the cloud and like an online storage came from. So it does help because now you're not having to produce all those external hard drives, but instead you're having to build facilities to store all of this information where the cloud is. So hopefully that helps everybody understand what's going on. And Go another fun thing about storage is as I was digging around, did you know that like thumb drives, USB thumb drives are not long-term storage? They have a small charge in them. And if you don't plug them back into a computer, the data can be lost in about 10 years. So there's oh. a, a lot of people, I have friends just recently were like, well, can you put all of my pictures onto a thumb drive and we'll just leave it in the safe? Well, if they leave that in the safe way too long, it's going to be the same as going through your x-ray machine. It's going to corrupt and or erase everything on it. I did not know that. And that's very good to know because I do have a lot of stuff on thumb drives because <laughs> I'm too cheap to pay for a monthly membership of the cloud. <laughs> so I guess I need to reevaluate that or just plug them in every couple of years just to check them out. <laughs> Maybe that's a right. better way to handle that. <laughs> and it could have some pretty important stuff on there. Yeah, it usually does. I mean, I guess everybody would value it as important. That's why they are saving it and then backing it up on the external hard drive. So most of the time it is very important stuff. Can you explain what a data center is? Probably in better detail than what I could. So I'm going to let you do it. <laughs> Fair enough. A data center is a server farm. And I, what I did is I looked up a couple of them. Some of the larger ones in the United States. The Citadel, which is owned by a company named Switch is the largest data center campus, and that is in Reno, Nevada. This is a facility, the whole campus is 1.2 million square feet. This is a facility that holds what you would call your hard drive and your computer. Trillions and trillions of terabytes of information are in these servers. And what they do is they lease what you would call hard drive space to other companies. So these massive buildings with massive servers holding massive amounts of information are just rental space for eBay and Amazon and Yahoo and any of these other companies like Facebook, for an example, to hold their data. And they're all over the country. And there's hundreds and hundreds of these places all over the country that hold all this data that we access. Because if I go to Amazon, it wants to go to the closest server farm because the further away, the slower it works. Got it. So what are the chances of these going bad? And like, if it's a giant building, it could catch fire. There could, it sounds like it'd be a target for theft, like for not just like, I don't know if you can just like take a hard drive or <laughs> people could break into it and get all the files. I'm not really sure how that would work, but I feel like it would be, it should have a pretty darn good security system, at least. They are very secure and it is, there's redundancy data. So the one of the reasons why they have multiple, like for an example, Switch has four major campuses in the United States and they serve different quadrants of the country. But if they lose a quadrant, that data, that information is duplicated somewhere else. So you, you don't, if someone bombed the building, that data still exists. Okay. Okay. So I would like to share a quick little story. I first learned about data centers only like four years ago. And that's because my husband's an electrician and his company was hired in by a very famous search engine that we have signed contracts we cannot talk about. <laughs> 
but I guarantee everybody's familiar with them because they're pretty darn popular. And they were building a data center. And I can't discuss the location or anything like that, but I can say that it was a data center being built and that it was going to be 20 buildings. It was supposed to be a 10-year project, 20 buildings. You're basically building a town just for these data centers. And I wanted to share that to give everybody an idea of how big and large and massive these things are. So big that four years into the project, they're only halfway done and the nearby city could not power it. So they had to shut the project down and relocate. So all those construction workers <laughs> who had relocated for this 10-year job, they'd relocated their families, now had to go find new, new work. And it's a big old mess, but it was just very fascinating to me how I did not even know that that existed or how gigantic it was. And to think that the more that we go online, because everything is transitioning to streaming and everybody's storing on this cloud, and we as consumers think the cloud is unlimited. I mean, it's just infinite. There, there's no reason for us to think that there is a limit, but the reality is there is eventually we're not going to be able to build as many of these data centers. Like there, there is a limit at some point. So hopefully that helps bring it into people's perspective to kind of get a really good idea of what's going on with those data centers. You know, I go straight to numbers, 7.2 million square feet. I'm not even sure we can really envision how big that necessarily is. When I talk about these, no, just their data center, just where the servers are is 1.3 million square feet. Just, Do you have a comparison of like, is that a football field? I can't visualize numbers very that's, well. Well, and that's funny. That's what I was just thinking as I, I wrote all these numbers down and I'm going, can I really compare that to something? That is just massive. For an example, the square feet of an acre is 43,560. And we're talking almost over a million. 1.3 million square feet just in the server farm, not the facility. Just where the servers are, 7.2 million is how much properties they have for square feet. <laughs> wow. Oh, goodness. So we're talking like um, feet, literally fields, like farmer fields, because that would have to be what, like 50 acres? Seven, 1.7 million square feet is about just under 40 acres. Okay. I wasn't too far off. Nope. And I that's just the server, just the servers. Not where anybody works, none of the other stuff, just the facility that holds the, the data wow. is almost 40 acres. Wow. Yeah. A whole, it's a whole town. That's what it is. It's, it's going to be a mini city too. Like every city in the U S is now going to have a little mini city hub attached to it for all these servers. Mm -hmm. So why are these so damaging to the environment? That was my next question. I think we've answered part of it, but let's go ahead and keep pushing on through to answer the rest of it. Okay. Couple of things real quick. Again, Citadel collects for Amazon, eBay, Intel, Boeing. So when I say those, it's not one company, but they actually offset all of their electric use, which oh, is, by do. the way, 850 megawatts of power. They actually pay for offsets. So they pay in a, a company that uses wind, solar, and geothermal to produce the same amount that they use. Okay. So they're still hooked to the grid. They're not an off-the-grid system. Same thing with Google. Google has been carbon neutral since 2007. 
So hey, been way to be ahead of the time. <laughs> they've been <laughs> very awesome. forward, very forward thinking. You know, so when I talk about Amazon, for an example, being electrically net neutral, it's because they're paying these offsets. They plan to that company plans to be completely carbon neutral by 2040, but they also have to count all their drivers and everything and all their factories and stuff. This doesn't have that, but they do offset their electrical usage through the purchase of of carbon credits and offsets. See, I'm glad that you said that because I had found an article stating that the data centers run on fossil fuels Mm -hmm. and which AKA would be oil and that they're running 24 seven. So they're using up a lot of these resources and that we really need to back off of streaming and data storage because altogether on a global scale, they're more detrimental than plane travel. So I'm glad that you're saying that a lot of the major ones are now more environmentally friendly by doing the offsets and supporting solar and wind as their electrical sources. Well, and it's the scope that we look at. So what that article said was true. They're hooked to an electrical grid. If you're hooked to an electrical grid, you're using coal, natural gas, and oil. So that is a real thing. The difference is, is that they're, they're funding clean energy sources equal to or greater than their use. And I think if enough companies do that, we start using a heck of a lot less coal, natural gas, and oil because they won't need as much. And that's what what I'm seeing from most of these, not all of them. Facebook is not neutral. They say they will be by 2030. There's a lot of them that aren't, they haven't quite made it there yet because- well, I don't think there's a good excuse. I think I think Facebook makes enough money to go ahead and and fill that gap, but I'm assuming I'm assuming there's a financial limitation that they have in their budgets or something. But it is nice to see a lot of these are reset because what we don't realize is that what we're doing is we're, we're usually watching movies, we're we're listening to music. And prior to this, we bought them separately. We bought them on DVD. We bought it on CD. We bought things on cassette or vinyl or whatever it happened to be. And there's an energy footprint that goes with those two. So our options are, do we stick with purchased and designed and built media or stream? Streaming is high energy intensive, but if you can offset it, it's a much better process than if we build a, make a DVD that's going to outlive me by at least 400 years. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's where they both have pros and cons. Like, uh, hmm. I mean, DVDs, think about a DVD. It's, you know, you've got the plastics involved. Then you have the case. Then you have the paper that slid in there with all the printing on it. And this thing was probably designed and made on the other side of our planet, shipped to us, warehoused for however long, then sent to a place to sell it to us where we drove over to pick it up. Where now, when my wife and I are sitting on the couch going, what do you want to watch? Oh, let's watch this. We hit a button. Yeah. Oh, and don't forget the best part about CDs and DVDs is that they would always get a scratch in them, <laughs> rendering them useless at that point. <laughs> oh, I, I use this all the time. My son loved Minecraft for almost his whole life. I have probably bought three copies before I was able to buy a digital copy so it would be on his hard drive for his uh, Xbox, but I probably bought at least three copies that were damaged at some point prior. So now you have a piece of plastic that will still outlive me by at least 400 years. It just doesn't work. (laughs) So the pro of going with streaming everything and doing data storage is that you can get the clutter out of your house. 
and you don't have to use the resources and everything that you just talked about, putting it all together and shipping it and you traveling to go get it. And if it does get a scratch, now you got to figure out what else can I do with this? So that's the pro. The con is that with all of this streaming, if you lose internet for some reason, which happens, I mean, mm-hmm. it just, it happens from time to time. You, you don't have good quality internet or it just, the power goes out or whatever, especially me with two little kids you get in a really uncomfortable position for the rest of the night when all they want to do is watch Blippy or Mickey Mouse. And you're like, I just can't get it because I don't have any DVDs of that. <laughs> Everything was on YouTube <laughs> and now we don't have the internet. It's not even an electricity thing. It's just, we don't have the internet, but when the power's out, then it's really, nobody's, nobody's having a good day when the power's out. So, right. so then you want to keep some hard media on hand for those situations or if we're doing a long car trip, it was really nice having a little tiny portable DVD player. So that's where it kind of, you have the pro and con. Oh yeah. And then the other thing that was the negative about all of the streaming stuff I was realizing, and I'm sure everybody else is seeing this before it was just Netflix and, and then came Hulu and then came CBS All Access, and then came Discovery Plus, and now there's Peacock, and now Paramount, and Disney Plus, and so you now have to keep paying and paying and paying and paying, and it's every single month. Whereas before, if I bought the DVD, I had a one-time charge the end, and now I have this product, as you said, for the next four to five hundred years. Not that, <laughs> not that I can find a DVD player to play it in, but I have the product for four to five hundred years. <laughs> But these, all these streaming platforms are getting very expensive very quickly. So now, now I'm still really back and forth on what is the right one to do budget wise and what's the right one to do environmentally wise and what's the right one to do if I'm trying to keep my house free of clutter. So I'm, maybe you can add in some clarity on all of that. <laughs> well, good luck. <laughs> I, well, okay. A couple other things about energy, your DVD players, your VCRs, all of these these older pieces of equipment use so much electricity. This is before we even tried to use less. My wife loves obsolete media, as I like to put it, and she has one of those uh, VHS slash DVD players. If I plug that thing in, it's going to use as much electricity as an Xbox. And game systems use a tremendous amount, even on standby. Uh, oh. An Xbox, for an example, will use five TVs worth on standby. And so do those multi-units because they're powering multiple pieces inside. It has to be ready for use. It can't warm up. It's got to be ready right now. Also keep that in mind is that the equipment that you need usually to play those older things uses a lot more electricity. So we have it, but I don't, we, we don't plug it in. We plug it in, we're going to use it. And in case you're wondering, we haven't used it. Almost everything is available online somewhere to be able to be streamed. So her 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 DVDs are in boxes at the moment. Just like I pick on Nick for doing, we did it too. So shh, don't tell him that part. <laughs> now, what is the best balance? Realistic sustainability talks about the realism of what you do. Every person has to make that decision on their own. When the power goes out here, we play board games. It's just how it is here. We don't, we're not digging out the DVDs. We're not kids coming wandering around like life has changed dramatically and that we're all going to die within the next seven to 10 minutes without Wi-Fi connection. But what happens is, is we play Monopoly or we play like the game of life or something that kind of brings us back to the table. That's what we choose to do. Now, my mom, that's why she kept her DVDs. When the power goes out, she watches a DVD. When the power goes out or the internet? Well, 
actually the internet is what I meant to say, but she's done it with the power up because she has a battery on the, uh, on the laptop, but the, we all have to kind of make our own way through some of those things. Is anything, any one better than the other? Yeah. Don't always buy something. I think that in the long term streaming, a good example is Netflix will let you download. So if you're going on a trip or something, you can actually download episodes of things and it will actually, it will sit locally on the hard drive for a, a certain amount of days. I think you have 30 days with the download on Netflix. Cause I've, I've done that now, like for mm-hmm. plane travel. Whereas before I would bring my laptop and watch DVDs and my lap. Okay. This is before kids. So I would bring a laptop and watch DVDs <laughs> and the laptop for a long plane ride. And, and now I have a laptop that doesn't even have a CD drive, so I can't yes. do that. So, so now I just download Netflix on my phone and I just bring that and watch it. Yeah, phones, tablets, there's ways to get around. Technology has offered, if you own a movie through Amazon, it's downloadable too. I know a lot of people have to have the feel. I have to have it. I bought it. It's mine. Give it to me. You still own the rights and you can download it on a device and keep it. For me, don't buy physical things unless you absolutely have to. You know, you got kids and if the and if, if the internet goes out and the place turns into chaos, you got to have that one Blue's Clues. You got to have that one Blippy. You got to have whatever just for human sanity. But I'm I'm a real big advocate of don't buy the item because in my head, I go all the way back to raw materials, production lines, all these things and the accumulative is just too great. Understandable. That makes a lot of sense. Thank you for clarifying that. That helps. We still want to be mindful of the data centers and maybe not stream and upload everything possible to the cloud. We kind of want to be responsible consumers, just like we would be for everything else. Mm -hmm. Water, gas for your car, food. What's your advice on reducing the amount that we're going to need for data centers? Well, one of the things is I don't set up auto update. So I don't want everything I do going to the cloud because what happens is I take a picture of something at work. I take a picture. So I don't, I'm a big fan of, I don't, I'm not going to remember this. So I take a picture of it real quick so I can remember it when I need to remember it. I don't want everything uploading. I think a lot of us would be very surprised when we look at what is uploaded versus what we intended to upload. Google and Amazon and these companies know more about us than we do. And they collect everything. So when I go in there, I I have to clean it out because you're right. It is still space. And if we use more space than we need, they've got to add another server. They've got to add another building. They've got, they're going to consume more. So first things first, I'm not a big fan of auto backup. I know if you don't auto backup, you have to remind yourself to back the things up. You really want back up, which I use my Google calendar to remind me a lot of things to back up. I have to back up my shows. If I lose all of those, all I have is what is on Anchor, my my host, and I would want all my raw material still. Every month, I back up everything that is realistic sustainability because it needs to be. I don't back it up onto a server. I back it up onto a hard drive because I know I'm going to plug it in before 10 years. Yep, I'm backing everything up on a thumb drive but I am plugging it in <laughs> probably every, <laughs> every one to two months it's getting plugged in. Speaking of which I'm definitely due because it's, it's been a minute since I've backed up some of my episodes. I need to do that pretty darn quick. <laughs> we have it on a computer and we have it on a thumb drive. So we have a redundancy there that costs nothing and that's okay too. But if there's certain things, pictures of grandma, you know, that you just, 
even though it's backed up on two things, I really want it somewhere else. A lot of times if you have a Google email, I think it's 10 or 20 gigs of data that they will just give you for free. Those little things, get them up there. Uh, I have a video of, of our wedding. I can put it up there to make sure it's safe. But we need to be more selective. We can't just dump everything on there because those data centers are going to grow in leaps and bounds. They're only going to collect more data. Not, Got it. not just what we put on there, but every action that we do online is also put in those servers. So we, in order to limit how much that goes there, we really have to be mindful. Now, what about in terms of streaming? Mm-hmm. Let's brainstorm how we can not be so wasteful for streaming, which is really tough because you and I are both podcasters. So we want everybody to stream our podcasts and just stop <laughs> with all the other shows. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> but but you get what I want. Well, there's a part, mm-hmm. partial truth in that. Please keep listening to us, but be selective <laughs> about <laughs> be selective about what you're streaming. Like my husband and I. Like when we wake up in the morning, we pop music on our phone and we just start streaming music off of Pandora or Amazon music or people do Spotify and all that stuff. And that's, mm-hmm. you like having that background noise, but you don't realize how much that's of not being sustainable. Most of our cell phones don't have low data limits like they used to, you know, you used to turn on a, uh, wait, don't play that song. I've only got a gig. So you're, you're really kind of balancing out. Now we get so much data that no one even pays attention to it anymore. The easiest way to slow down your streaming is to turn off certain things. If you have Netflix, for an example, when you go online and you're looking for a movie, if you just kind of pause for a second over a movie, it just starts to play. That is part of that streaming drawing more data you can go into the settings and turn that off that can be removed and that can stop on amazon that can stop on netflix it can stop on all of them google i had no idea that you could do that mm-hmm. <laughs> that would be great because <laughs> it's annoying they don't know <laughs> this yet but that is very annoying <laughs> that was my first i was like i can stop that i didn't know that was an option that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> like i'm too slow to read what i'm reading here and now you're interrupting me with a sh- part of the show i so i go on there you you turn those off and again it makes it less annoying but it also stops the stream and reduces how much internet you you take now if you are on a laptop you can have it set so it doesn't download photos it doesn't download videos until you select them now it's less appealing. Your page looks really goofy, but you can do it. Okay. Yeah. See, these are things that I had not thought about. One thing I did think of was a lot of families, each member will have their own device that they're all streaming on at the same time. Everybody has Mm -hmm. a tablet or phone or a laptop and they're all watching Netflix, but they're all watching a different show. So if you want to get back to family night, now you're only streaming one and everybody's watching it together. And that helps bring your family relationship closer as well, versus everybody just disappearing to their bedrooms and watching their own thing. I know that might be easier said than done because my two-year-old would love to keep watching (laughs) Paw Patrol (laughs) and and Fireman Sam. And I can only watch so much Fireman Sam and then I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) When my kids were little, it was SpongeBob or, you know, shows like that. Another thing that you can do on a lot of these streaming services is if you go to the little gear in the corner, you can change the resolution. So if you go to a standard resolution over a high definition resolution, which for me, it doesn't bother me a bit. I have some family members who believe they must see every detailed and high resolution and then they won't make this change. But if you switch it over to standard resolution and it will take a lot less data to be able to watch a show. 
Wow. I didn't know that one either. See there, you're also thinking to yourself, I'm paying X amount of money each month for this. I'm going to get high quality, (laughs) but that would be the average consumer and we're responsible Mm -hmm. consumers. So now that we know we can think, all right, I'm going to save the world by doing this one little tiny action. And it's really, you're right. It doesn't make that huge of a difference. And there are times where we're streaming Netflix and it comes in real fuzzy anyways. And we're like, Hmm. (laughs) Well, and I have one family member. I have one family member that if I set it up on standard and hand it to them, they'll, they'll notice. They'll say, no, this is a poor quality. What's wrong with this? Every other person, my children, anybody I ever set up a piece of equipment for, I start everything on standard and turn off all the autos. No one has said it's broken. It's not working right because no one notices. All right. So that's a really quick thing that you can sneak in You're <laughs> and, right. for, and force your family to become more sustainable and they will it's be not none the wiser. It, it's not forcing them if they didn't know there was an option. Well, it might be. It might be. Well, Okay. I accidentally forced my husband to eat a vegan meal tonight. Totally unintentional. I just wanted curry. I was like, I really want Indian food. I want curry. So I made this lentil curry with coconut milk. (laughs) And after the end of the meal, he goes, so was this a vegan meal? And I sat there and thought about it. I was like, yeah, I guess it was. There weren't any animal products in that. And you can see his face like what did you just do? And I said, here's some butter. Do you want to throw it on top and make it not vegan anymore? (laughs) Okay. I can't throw that stone because recently my, I I took my wife out for her birthday. We actually went to a restaurant, which is pretty rare right now. And I'm looking through the the menu and I found the vegetarian meal and I'm, you know, should I get a steak? Should I get salmon? And I'm going, that kind of looks good. I feel uncomfortable saying that. So when the lady comes up, I'm like, is that really good? You can tell me no. And she, no, no, I think it's good. So I ordered it. I actually ate at a restaurant and had no meat the whole time I was there. Cause everybody, anybody listens to realistic sustainability knows my struggle of trying to reduce my meat consumption. I ate a vegetarian meal. I felt very weird, but it was delicious. <laughs> You don't have to be vegan and vegetarian all the time. Every time that you do do it is helpful. But yeah, you'd, you'd get along with my husband. He's very much a carnivore. Shall we get back to the topic? <laughs> yeah, I guess we should. I, yeah, yeah. The other thing that I, I wanted us to discuss and talk about was search engines. Because people search just about everything via a search engine. You have great big search engines like Google and Bing and Yahoo and some other ones. And they're great big ones. They're going to use these data centers. And again, they're going to be using the fossil fuels. But there are smaller search engines that a lot of people have not heard of, like Ecosia and Ecocart. And those are excellent because 80% of their earnings are donated to tree planting globally and offsetting their carbon emissions. So whenever you do get a chance, try to use Ecosia or Ecocart instead of the great big name search engines. Yeah, and this is where I'm starting to learn these things. Is Like Ethic, for an example, was one of the first times I've saw a plug-in with sustainability. I'm just learning these eco carts and all these little things that are out there after working with Austin and ethic. I like the fact that Google or some of these companies are offsetting with carbon credits, but I like it better when a search engine's going on the offense. So I'm learning now that there's ones out there that plant a tree. Yeah. And I, after I interviewed Austin, I downloaded the ethic web browser extension. And it is really cool because a lot of things I go to, it'll pull up and it either has the green leaf 
or the green leaf with the big red circle and a slash through it. I'm like, oh, okay. It just helps me take one second to rethink, okay, let me search again until I find a company or website or whatever it is that I'm looking for that has that green leaf. Cause that's the one that I want to utilize and sponsor, not sponsor support. <laughs> right. And it's, it's the very first thing I look at now he's, he's got my eyes moving where he wants them to go because that's the first thing I look at when I, when I search something. And I love the fact that we can have some of these tied to our search engines to help us be more sustainable because it's impossible. I know this, you know this, it is impossible to know the best answer every time. And any little tool that we can get that will help us make a better decision, bring them on. Yeah, because prior to these web browser extensions, it was you have to research the companies <laughs> until you find one that is sustainable. And I'm like, I don't have time to research every single company. <laughs> Austin's doing it right. I'm like, just give me the green light or red light. Like, just let me know if it's good or bad. I don't want to sit here and research everything. <laughs> now, being the numbers nerd, I'd still like a gradient. You know, how many stars are one through a hundred? I keep picking on them about that, but it gives me a much easier way to assess because prior to this, I would go to their website, I would go to their sustainability, and I would see if they're using a triple bottom line where they're going to treat the environment and their people the same as their profits. And that really limits you to how many places you can shop. Yeah. <laughs> so another cool thing that I found that I want to share is that EcoCart does have a Google Chrome extension, just like Ethic, and you can use it in, was that my phone? Oh. Because I said Google, so my phone just went doo doo. <laughs> <laughs> I need to turn that off. Speaking of wasted streaming, <laughs> we should just oh, leave that in. That. That's funny. I'm leaving that in. <laughs> so, what I was saying is that so the EcoCart Google Chrome extension, you can use it in the background when you're online shopping, and it will automatically calculate and offset the carbon footprint of online orders which will help now directly reduce your own carbon footprint. So you can probably use those two web browsers extension simultaneously and get like double sustainability efforts all in one. I would like it if it, I, I'm going to have to download it and see if it's, you know, how it's doing its carbon footprint calculation. Cause you know, me being the nerd that likes the, the whole embodied energy. I want to see how convoluted they've gotten this thing. I want to see how far are you going? Or are you just looking at small pieces? Because I think that everything you buy should have its embodied energy on it. How many kilowatt hours of electricity were used to get this in your hand? I think that that would be a measurement on products, no different than calories on food products to help you know, to try to make some better decisions in your, your intake. I think the same thing should happen. There should be an equivalent energy rating. You're buying this DVD. That's the same as owning an elephant, you know, <laughs> something that gives it some kind of tangible idea of what it went through to get you this. I do agree with that. And I have some really cool news that I want to share with you. There are places all over Europe and, and Harvard is doing this, at least food wise in their cafes. When you go into the cafe to make a choice on your food, they mm -hmm. will highlight the carbon emissions associated with each food. So then obviously the vegetables would lower, meat items would be higher. If it's local, it'd be lower. If it was something that was imported, it would be higher. So now you can kind of, just like you'd have the calorie information, now you'd have a CO2 rating to let you know 
where your food is coming from and the impact that it's having. And that can help you make a choice as a consumer. Now it's not real common yet. And like Harvard's, we are looking at that for our cafes and Harvard's is obviously tailored to Harvard, which is in the East coast and we're in the Midwest. So I'm like, we can't use that. And then I found another one over in Europe and I was like, that's really cool. Not applicable here. Cause I, so I got to, <laughs> So if anybody knows of a good calculator that I can use for my own personal cafes here in Indiana, that would be awesome. But it's coming. It's coming. I don't know if it's going to be every single product, but at least food is, it's starting to be tracked and it's starting to be noted on the food item, at least within the cafes. So hopefully within the next decade, Michael, that will be something that'll be more prevalently and easily found. Hey, if they can tell me on the sticker of a brand new vehicle, what percentage of parts came from the United States or outside, they can tell me the amount of energy it took to build it. Yeah, that's true. So hopefully this moves a little quicker. As we learn and we talk and we all have these conversations, we all work in different industries. We can all push a different bruise, if you will. Hopefully someday you go to buy some clothing, you look at the price tag and it will also tell you how much water they wasted to make it. That would be a terrible marketing strategy for the brand of clothing. (laughs) Well, it's not really for them. It's for us. But that's how you put your business out of business. (laughs) Or... You're the one with the lower number. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big, that's a big deal. And the winner would always be a secondhand shop. Every time. Every time. Well, is there anything else that we need to cover in regard to data centers and streaming and search engines and the cloud, or did we hit it all? The only point I wanted to make here is the fact that we're having the conversation and that the listeners are hearing the conversation and it may even prompt a conversation of their own. We've already won because All we want to do is make someone think before they buy a product, think before they turn something on, think before they stream. And just simply discussing it kind of embeds it in the back of our memory. So when we go to do something, if I go to get a pop and I still use this reusable cup, it's a decision I've made. It's those conversations that we have week in and week out that help people make those better decisions. So honestly, we've already won at least a little. The moment someone thinks, Mm, maybe we'll do family nut. We've already won. Perfect. That's now we need to end the episode there. That was a great ending. <laughs> <laughs> no, we have way cooler ending. And it makes me look really bad. All right. Really bad. <laughs> so is this another challenge? It's challenge time. And it sounds like yeah. I'm about to win <laughs> again. Oh, it's bad. <laughs> it's bad. Okay. So I have been tasked with coming up with our challenge. Like the last time the stories were so good that even my son made it his highlight of his episode that he made. So what I wanted to hear from everybody out there listening, how much obsolete media do you have? How many DVDs have you collected? Do you still have the wall of VHSs? How many CDs? How many people have had those huge cases of CDs still in their car to this day, even though we can stream from our phone? Well, I'll start. First of all, I'm kidding. I'm going to use Nick's numbers. Nick actually (laughs) sent his in. (laughs) I was hoping he was going to make me look good, by the way. He has 756 DVDs. Now, first of all, that's a very odd number. That means means him and his wife counted those because he got lazy later on. He had 45 Blu-rays on top of that. 100 plus VHSs. See, he got lazy there. He didn't count those. He just knows it's a lot. And 100 plus CDs, 20 cassettes, 
And I'm just going to go with an infinite number of video games because he said a, a lot, a lot of video games. So I just wrote the symbol for infinite. So maybe he does do the worst. All right. We can just dub him the worst already because he's had infinite. <laughs> he has infinite video games. So now I do believe that in my defense here, we have to count what I have and then what I've gained in marriage. Because okay. those are two completely different things. I've only have a handful of DVDs. I have a, a DVD set for quantum mechanics, the What the Bleep series. So yeah, that's the kind of nerd I am. I have quantum physics DVDs. And then I also have the Discovery Channel's History of NASA on DVD, which is a six DVD set. Other than Neil deGrasse Tyson's Cosmos are the only DVDs I own. Now... With that being said, there's more than 1,200 DVDs somewhere in this house. My wife told me when I asked her how many DVDs she had, she said that she had, she said, I stopped counting at 1,200. Wow. Where, where do you store them all? We have large U-Haul boxes because she doesn't want to get rid of them for some reason. Apparently, there's some very unique movies in there, which we haven't watched in the first year of marriage, I'd like to say. But... We still have large U-Haul boxes. Now, I've been trying to lobby Nick. You're like, hey, if you're not going to watch them, sell them to someone who will. Because just having them in your closet, they're just going to be there for 400 plus years. You're going to be passing it down for five generations. Just get them to someone who will use them. It's some advice that we should probably take inward here at my household. But she right now needs those as those are her emotional security DVDs. So we have them in boxes. We, she also has 20 vinyl records and a record player. May I say she wanted to make sure that I tell everybody they are excellent records and that the record player is fantastic. I'm not sure what that means because I've never owned a record and we have a couple of video games, but I'll be honest, ever since the great consistent scratching of the Minecraft, I've gone straight to hard drives and, and uh, cloud servers. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Not, I don't know why I would pick a challenge that makes me look bad, but I did. I did. <laughs> Well, I'm so glad this challenge came out now after Christmas because it's currently April 10th. <laughs> so I had some time after Christmas because before Christmas, <laughs> my numbers would have been a lot worse. So I went through a minimalism phase and got rid of a lot of stuff. It's, it's honestly my husband and I collectively, but we are just, I don't know. We, <laughs> I guess we're just more into streaming. <laughs> so my, my numbers are so low. So for DVDs, the grand total is 70. 35 of them are movies. And that's because I kept the movies we had never seen. All of the ones that we had seen, I got rid of because we don't go back and rewatch. We just, there, there might be two or three that are like true classic classics. Like we have the Princess Bride and we have a couple of the Fast and Furious because those are his favorites and those are my favorites. And so those are the classics that we kept, but that's only four. The others are all little kid DVDs <laughs> that were gifted to us from his mom because they were his nieces. DVDs and she's outgrown them. So all those movies now came to us. So we got, a, we had way more at Christmas time. And I was just, just, I literally put a box out on the porch and put a little post in the neighborhood, free movies, come get them because we don't need 80 plus kid movies. So we are down to like 30 kid movies and five adult movies. So of the 70 DVDs, the other 35 are all workout DVDs. 
And I don't believe in paying for a monthly gym membership or paying for a monthly online gym membership, like with Beachbody or Les Mills or all those yep. different programs. So these are true DVD workouts that, and I use them all the time. So I've got P90X and I have tap out workouts and I have body combat workouts. So those I keep <laughs> and I, I don't, I don't have anything streaming at all. VHS tapes. We have none, none at all. I, I think that might be a generation gap that they just like, by the time that we were adults, uh, VHSs did not really exist. I had them all growing up. So if you would have asked me to run this at my parents' house, these numbers would have been significantly higher because I was the youngest of eight kids. So there were oh, walls, <laughs> walls, walls of <laughs> books on tape that you would sit there and have the book and they would read it and you'd listen and follow along. Like we had, I mean, everything we had. My dad has eight tracks. He has reel to reels. He's, I mean, he's got every type of media. My parents literally have closets, multiple closets full of all this media stuff. So I'm glad we're doing mine. So I have zero VHS. And when it comes to CDs, I have 24 that are music based. That little, okay. that just came back to me a few months ago because my mom brought in tubs from the basement of my stuff from when I went to college. So, so I got these tubs back and I found all of my music CDs from high school. So I just accumulated these 24 that I didn't have prior to that. <laughs> and then I have an additional 10 CDs that also came back in those and they were um, like computer programs. So I have like American greetings card where you can go on, like you can put, it was a program they put on computer and you could make a card. Like that was when e-cards started becoming a thing and you could make your own e-card. So I have that and I have six of the 10 computer program DVDs are from when I took the test to become a registered dietitian. Six of them was like a study guide program. So, so now I have, and they're all scratched to daylights. So the reason that they are still in my house right now is because I am refusing to throw them away because I know about all the embodied energy and I'm, they're here in my guest room, which is slash a craft room. And at some point, in the next two or three decades, I will get around to making a craft with those DVDs, whatever that may be. So that is my plan. <laughs> or it can be wheels on a car on the STEM project that you're doing, or you can take, you ever see the, the retractable tops for pops that you can use that you always go pop. When you open them up, you can put those on there with a balloon and you can make hovers like hoverboards with them and stuff. You can use them for all kinds of crafts. You can use, especially for STEM, because I'm the STEM nerd. There's tons of things you can use them for. Yeah, yours are way cooler. I was thinking I could break them into a whole bunch of pieces and use it as like a mosaic on top of a vase or something. That was all I came up with. So (laughs) yours are way better. (laughs) So so you win on the craft challenge and I will win on the amount of obsolete media. I have never won a craft challenge. No way. I am not that creative. <laughs> you just did. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully, I'm praying. I'm hopeful. I'm hoping that listeners will start posting their totals and it will make me feel better because boy, does mine mine is way out of whack from where they're supposed to be because of my lovely, lovely wife. But hopefully listeners hear this and they bail me out by just posting large amounts of media that they have wedged in their corners and home. And hopefully the, I'd also like to know when's the last time you watched one? Cause it has not been recent yeah. for us. We haven't even plugged in the equipment. So when's the last time you watched any of this obsolete media? And if you haven't, it might, this might be the moment. This might be the time where we start finding others who will watch them, get them out of the house and get them in the hands of people that will use them because that's one less DVD they'll buy. 
of all of those kid movies that we received at Christmas time, my son has watched one because we didn't have any internet. That's why we bought, that's why we brought it out. And it was Happy Feet. And here's the cool thing inside of Happy Feet, which is the penguins that were running out of food. And so then like at the end of the movie, everybody's happy because they're like saving the penguins and they're going to stop all the oil digging or whatever in the North Pole or wherever they're at. Anyways, inside of the DVD case came a seafood watch wallet card that you're supposed to put in your wallet. So when you go shopping at the store, it will tell you which brands of fish are sustainable and which ones you should avoid buying. <laughs> really? But, yeah. I was like, Hey, that's really cool. I'll take <laughs> I it. Look, I'm like, this DVD is at least 15 years old, but Hey, that's still awesome. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. There may have been some changes to that. Uh, I'm not sure those companies are super excited about that card. Every little bit of effort counts. Yep. Well, Mike, as always, it's been a pleasure. We're going to have to, we'll have to schedule a third crossover event probably within the next couple of months or so. One word that Nick can actually attend and uh, see if I can keep my reigning champion to keep going strong. Remember everybody, let Nick know you missed him. Yes. Yes. Well, thank you so much for having this episode with me because this is a topic that I've been wanting to cover for a long time, but I don't know that much about it. So I was really struggling trying to put together an episode. So I'm glad that you agreed to come on board and do this second round of crossover event and knock out data storage and streaming with me. So thank you. No problem. I love these. I love it when we do this because we always have so much darn fun. I agree. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me on. I really do appreciate it. You're welcome. You're welcome. And same to you. Thank you again, Michael Nazarian, for another fun crossover event. Be sure to give Nick a hard time for not being there, and hopefully he will make an appearance for the next time we do a crossover. Before I let you go, we got to do our weekly challenge. So I'm drawing a card right now. And it says, instead of using an electric dryer for your laundry, opt to line dry or use a clothes rack instead. Ah, believe it or not, I have done this mostly whenever the dryer breaks. (laughs) But now that it is summertime, I think that this is a realistic goal that we can achieve. Even if we don't do it every single week with every single load, just doing it a couple of times is definitely very helpful. So add that to your list of things to accomplish this week. Be sure to come back next week to learn about how technology is reducing food waste. Manic Siri from Therma joins the show. Until then, Sustainer Nation, continue to stay sustainable, and I will talk to you all next week. Have a great one. Bye.